0: Alright, what's up guys? It's Rico here, CEO of SourceFindAsia, host of in China Podcast and the host of the SourceFindAsia YouTube channel. I'm back with a special episode. Special episode. I'm sitting here in, uh, what's this, New Praia Road in one of my buddy's apartments in Hong Kong. Pretty nice view. Um, although it's not clear skies, it's not fantastic, but happy to be in Hong Kong. And we're doing the 100th episode of the Made in China podcast, joined with my co-host, Mike. What's
1: good, everybody? Sitting here in Shanghai, we made it. We made it to triple digits.
0: Yeah, man. So uh, basically for for episode 100, any of you guys that have listened to, I guess, more than five or 10 episodes uh, would have noticed that there's some consistent questions that I ask when I interview people. When I do the sort of deep dive uh, interviews, and one of my favorite questions that I stole from Tim Ferriss was, uh, "Is uh, what is the smallest thing you've done that's brought you the largest results?" The eighty twenty Pareto's principle. Um, for anybody that's not familiar with the eighty twenty Pareto's principle, it's just basically the concept that twenty percent of the actions that you take in life and in business will bring you, you know, the largest results. So for example in 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 your in a company let's say you know you're want to launch a, a crowdfunding campaign or something like that and you identify 100 influencers and just contact 100 influencers maybe that brings you you know 80% of the backers that come to to buy your stuff and then maybe you do some advertising on top of that and that brings you you know another 20%. So it it can work in a lot of different ways but that's the basic concept so um, we have put together a episode where we're kind of putting together all the answers of the 80-20 principles that we've ever had on the podcast in 100 episodes. And we'll do a little bit of a review of the podcast in general at the end. And then we've got, like, you have to stick around. Even if you hear the outro music coming in, you have to stick around. We've got a little special something at the end, at the very end of the podcast. All right. Is it a teaser,
1: man? Like the Marvel Universe? How they put it at the end of the credits?
0: Yeah, man. So this is a mid 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 credits mid credits uh, scene, you know. Like you guys can't you can't you can't you can't leave the cinema early, son. Okay, all right.
1: You gotta watch all seventeen minutes of the outro credits. Man. Exactly.
0: Uh, all right. So without further ado, enjoy.
2: I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. Uh, what do you think is the smallest thing you've done that's brought you the largest results for your business?
0: The Pareto 80-20. Pareto's 80-20. Pareto, Pareto.
3: Episode 29, Renaud Angeron. <laughs>
2: I would say at the very beginning, talking with different people, talking with everybody, um, talking with the people in the factories, talking with... Uh, when buying through a trading company, maybe talking to, 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 to these people, um, talking to different buyers and agents. Um, and, you know, that's how you find some good people to hire. That's how you get some good advice. That's how you, you know, you get some, some feedback about what you do versus what the other companies do and all these kind of things. Um, that, yeah, that when I was... That gave me a lot of insights and uh, brought me a lot of good things.
3: Episode 7 Russell Smith.
4: Honestly, the smallest thing I've done? Well, the, the general thing is invest in relationships all throughout my entrepreneurial life. It's just invest in relationships because every time now I've got a problem, I just reach out to someone and they can introduce me, they can help me. And that, the leverage over time that you get from a small, Follow up,
1: you know. Yes, I want to ask you something because this is something that I think about all the time. You know, having been in China so long, and I meet so many people, and you know, you hear people like us, you know, some people who might be listening to this hear us talking about relationship, 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 but how deep are those relationships you know because how how many people can you meet how many deep relationships can you have in 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 china can you can you go into a little bit more detail on what that relationship actually entails sure
4: um let me just think i mean what i do to maintain a relationship in china is very simple it's just kind of like just be present just be there like i'm just liking stuff that they that they share on WeChat and QQ. If they, if they go out to the countryside with their wife and maybe their kids, I just like them. And then I leave a comment like, you know, Hey, you know, Hey Hank, haven't seen you for a long time. Wonderful holiday.
1: That's fine. Right. You know? mm-hmm. Stuff right. like that. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I'm horrible you know, for, at for that. For
5: me. <laughs> <laughs> I suck at that.
1: <laughs> That's what I always try to do too. And, and you know, my, to someone listening, I might sound a little bit, you know, super superficial and not that deep of a relationship. But I think that's what I've ran into in China. I don't have a ton of very, very what I would call close Chinese friends, but I have a lot of people that I consider my friends and I have this relationship with them where you know occasionally we talk occasionally we share some information and i think that itself goes a long way
0: i barely mm, like totally my relatives agree. photos i don't know how i could keep up with <laughs> <laughs> well you, you have to make a conscious effort i think
1: right yeah, I you know keep those thumbs busy And
0: <laughs> like man and I'll, so I'll so i would rather go like, out and drink Baijo together come on <laughs>
4: <laughs> well i think that helps too like for someone that hasn't done business in china before and they're thinking, like, how do I build these relationships? You have to say the really honest, like, I mean, the really obvious thing, the really simple thing. It's like it means something to them when you just say, yes, I am very happy that we are friends now. <laughs> you know, and we wouldn't <laughs> say that to a Westerner because it would be too strange. You have to, like, get over that. I'm or happy.
1: I'm very
4: happy. Yeah. Um, and even sometimes they say things, weird kind of translation, but they'll say they miss you perhaps and stuff like that. And you're like, I hardly know this guy. I literally met him (laughs) once, like two years ago. We just met two weeks ago.
0: Uh,
4: Yeah. And you could say, yes, you know, I miss Dongguan too, or I miss you too, if you can handle it. Yeah. And yes, it's those really, really small things that add up over time, but then you'll find that they open quickly after that. Yeah. So it's not a deep relationship, but then when you go to them and say, Hey man, I need help. Could you, you just, you know, do something for me. Bang. They will do it most of the time, if they can. Um, So it's not deep, but you're just always constantly like refreshing, refreshing, refreshing. I'm thinking of you. That's all it says. I care about the relationship.
6: I'm thinking of you.
3: Episode 13, Pieter van Mol and Freak Gillen.
6: Um, Regarding to the Kickstarter campaign, it was reaching out to friends and family and ask them to share and support us. So what we did was, two days before we launched, we called every uh, family member, every friend to ask them if they could um, support us one euro, so if they could pledge one euro. And on launch day, we just spammed everyone on Facebook, all of our friends, and asked them to share our campaign. Because um, that way we were able to rise up in the ranking on Kickstarter. And so we got more traffic from the platform itself. And uh, that's why we were able to crush our goal in, in two days. So it was definitely reaching out to friends uh, and family and ask them, hey, help us out here. That was uh, really important. And that gave us
0: a, a pretty big boost. Yeah, I you know, I think that's a mistake that a lot of people make is maybe they don't reach out to the friends and family and Facebook friends because even like for me, yeah. you guys sent you sent out um I got an email and then I also got a Facebook uh I think it was a Facebook notification. And then yeah, I had no problem sharing that and tagging a few of my friends as well. It, was, it doesn't take yeah. long, it takes me one or two minutes to do so.
6: Yeah, and it helps it helps. Yeah, we now. have a,
2: a big local fan base. <laughs> <laughs> Big local fan base of our hometowns.
6: Yeah, thank but you guys. Yes. Thank you guys.
0: <laughs> Are you guys famous? Are you famous in Lomo? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah,
7: we we uh we were Turks, so we uh, our
2: our city is called Lommel, and they have a prize, um, Lommelag of the Year. Actually, so yeah, the best. It's um,
6: the best inhabitant or the best. Uh,
0: the best local
6: Yeah, the best local lo- star. Yeah, it. the yeah. best local in, in Lommel. Yeah. <laughs> some some kind of and we got third. We got third. And we ended up third.
0: Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I think I need to move to like a small town in Belgium and, and become the best local <laughs> local star. <laughs> um. Episode
3: thirty eight, Andy Church.
5: During the day today I probably think of numerous other things. Yeah. And and depending on where you are in your work day or how your week has been yeah. and for me that came about because I just came back from a conference for people I haven't seen in a year and I had a conversation last year with a potential client or a lead, mm-hmm. met with them and this year I remembered the, the the guy's wife's name and his kid's name from a year ago and you know that led to okay, well we're ready to deal with you. <laughs> All right. Well, that that probably didn't happen because I remembered his wife's name and his kid's name 15 minutes earlier and we were talking, but it certainly, you know, did hurt.
0: Mm-hmm. So, anyway. It it does. And I mean, I talk I talk about that. I try to enforce that with my my uh my staff and 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 just the company culture is just like, you know, write everything down, take notes, take notes, take notes. I know it's boring. But it helps, you know, it helps in the future because you're trying to keep so much information in your brain. Um, if you can try to pay as much, att- if you can try to remember as many details as possible, it's always going to be beneficial for you. And, and I think it makes the difference between, you know, uh, an okay business versus a really great business or, you know, somebody who does okay in, in, in their job versus somebody who does amazing in their job is, you know, that extra, extra 10% or whatever that you remember. Um. Yeah, I know. I mean, I have to give credit to Tim Ferriss for that question because I'm a big fan of Tim Ferriss' podcast, and he asked that question from time to time. And then I, I just kind of took it and <laughs> had incorporated it into my uh my podcast questions. All right. So that's the first part. The first part was people, family, and relationships. Um, for me, I just I uh, felt like people, family, relationships was was uh. That's the first section with Renault and Russell and Peter and uh, Freak and Andy Church. I just I really liked Renault's idea of talking to factory people. Uh, it's been it's been a really important thing that I implemented subconsciously. Like I was telling Mike before, a lot of times with these answers, I, like there's certain things that I started doing that I don't. I've always thought was something I learned in a book or or maybe some one-on-one advice, and then I find out like it's actually something I took from the podcast. So this is definitely something that I've done in our business. I usually like to, especially when we go to new factories or if we're, we have a longer relationship with factories, I definitely like to have my staff and myself actually talk to some of the factory floor workers and ask them just questions about, you know, what they like about the factory and, you know, their thoughts and maybe even areas that they would like to see improvement on. Um, I think that helps with understanding, you know, the factory that you're, you're about to start working with. And, um, and then Russell had a point about investing in relationships. I still suck at that. I talked about it in the in the episodes like I still suck at like keeping in touch with people um both family and friends <laughs> and, and you know it, it, people complain about that. but I am getting better. um I have gotten better over the the past couple of years and with China as well, like some of the small things that I started doing was. I try to save everybody's birthdays in my calendar. So I get like a reminder a week in advance, a couple of days in advance, and then I either you know buy them a present or at least send them a message. So like, it's just little things that I think I'm slowly slowly working at, improving with that. Um, but I also think that is very important, uh, you know, keeping in touch with the fact, even factories, like there's, there's a toy factory that we worked with uh, for Prodigy and I'll just message them once in a while just to see, you know, what's up. And, you know, Nan- the, our contact's name was Nancy and she's got, she's got a kid. So, you know, we ask her, you know, how's your family, everything like that. So I think those, little touches are important. Um,
1: yeah. If I remember correctly, she was really good at keeping in touch with us. As well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I
1: mean, I dropping messages every now and again for holidays. And
0: whatnot. Yeah. And she'll say, she'll send uh, for Chinese new year. I think she sent us wine last time, you know, so she'll, to, she'll still keep in touch like that. Um, names i'm I'm still horrible at names, but I definitely make an effort to to write down people's names. I'll, I'll tell somebody else to like I'll be sitting at a dinner table with Mike and then I'll text him the name of somebody <laughs> so I'm like, I want to try to remember the waitress's name or something just i I you know it's just but the fact that I'm conscious about it, I think is the most important thing. Um, so yeah do
1: you do the, uh, the say the name say the person's name
0: five times when you meet them uh, I do that but I still forget the name like I'm just I'm horrible
1: I'm <laughs> <at names>. horrible <laughs> me too so I, I, I was listening I was listening to Andy yep. um, when he was talking about you know remembering people and, and their families and a hadn't seen him for a year but yet he remembered X, Y, and Z and you know, if it's if it's a certain business project where I really make note of it, like, hey, I have to remember this person because next time I come around, it's going to make me look good that I remember their wife's name, and their kid's name, and all of this. But on a general level, you know, we travel so much. We're meeting people all the time. Part of our business is being a part of these, you know, communities where we're doing network activities and stuff like that. It's really hard to... Remember people's faces and names. So I'm curious what you do to try to improve that memory process.
0: Well, the thing about me is faces isn't an issue. Like I'm, I'm very good. If I if I meet somebody and I see them again, it's very rare that I don't recognize that person. It's it's always just I don't remember this person's name. Like I'll remember specific details in conversations, and I, and I think you know this about me. Like I'll, I, when it comes to like actual conversations, I remember. Sometimes almost like a, like in a photographic sense, I'll remember word for word what I spoke to somebody about, um, especially if I talk to them for 30 minutes, an hour or whatever, or 20 minutes or whatever. But it's just the name. It's literally the name that I forget. So um, one good thing, though, is I think WeChat is awesome for that because instead of instead of just getting somebody's phone number and then messing up maybe you don't save their name correctly or maybe you know they put you get the phone number but then you don't have you forget the name um you know when you add somebody on WeChat the name is automatically there so like that helps a lot for me cuz I'll you know keep in touch with people that like can... it helps
1: it it helps if they have their photo and their name listed yeah. but so many chinese people put like an avatar up or a cartoon character or just a random and then picture they put some, random some picture of a mountain some random <laughs> Yeah, a random mountain and a random name too. It's it, it's really confusing. So I always try to make a point if I see that, if that even if they have their name in their photo, I usually try to edit their name. Yeah, if you edit their name uh, in WeChat, then it saves as that.
0: Yeah, that's a def, I definitely do that. Every single time I meet a specifically Chinese person, I will, when I get yeah. their English name and I've added them on WeChat, I change their name in WeChat to the English name. Um,
1: English name plus where you met them. Yeah. Yeah,
0: so that, that's
1: that's 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 how I I, I keep people. Intact. And yeah, if I if to, I do uh, save if
0: I do save phone numbers, I always put in the city. <laughs> like I always put in the city yeah. of, of So like if you if you went into my contacts right now, on my phone, and you type in like GZ, like literally anybody's yeah. phone number that I've gotten in Guangzhou is is there's their name and and it helps because I know I have like for example I have like four mics in my phone, so <laughs> so it's like. You know, there's Mike Guangzhou, there's Mike Hong Kong. You know, there's Mike Manila, like that kind of stuff. So
1: yeah, I I was I wanted to uh, touch back to to Russell because Russell was the one who was talking about investing in relationships, and you know, I've tried like you to get better at that one thing in particular. But if you listen to, you know, you've you've heard me and Rico say many times we're big fans of the Joe Rogan podcast. But you know, Joey Diaz, his his buddy and former comic he's known for being someone who always keeps in touch with his friends and you know he makes a point to call the people that are close to him every week or every month whatever it is even if it's a short call you know two three minutes how you doing everything good anything major going in your life all right you know take care be well bless you love you you know what i mean So when I was listening to Russell talk about investing in relationships, it kind of struck home with me because I I think I need to do a better job of it, but I'm conscious of it, trying to do better. And, um, you know, I want to do that, but manage my time as well. I think that's really important because if you're constantly investing in these relationships all the time, it's also difficult to keep to your steady work schedule. So, you know, if you section off, Or if this person that you hang out with, you know they're a talker and they like to get into their emotions and their relationship status, that might be somebody that you set aside a certain evening for. You know, Rico, we have a mutual friend that you talk about that a lot with. You're like, I love them. But I know that if I'm going to meet up with them, it's going to be this kind of night. So I need to section off three hours for that, whereas everyone's going yeah, to Yeah, you also to have to, that, have to
0: so. be in the, in the right mental state to, to hang out with those people sometimes.
1: Right, most definitely. But yeah, so I, I try to invest in those relationships, but also be conscious of, of my time as well you know, give give that relationship the appropriate time, attention, detail that it needs, but also don't be taking away from, you know, the the, the day-to-day tasks that I need to do to be successful.
0: Yeah, I just uh you mentioned Rogan and I was gonna I was gonna <laughs> talk about something. So like in the past I've tried I've tried telling girls that like listen man like you know I be, you know, Rogan has that con- he has a thing about um I guess the whole concept was that in the past we lived in villages of like 50 to 100 people so you never really you never really met more than 50 to 100 people in your lifetime so you know everybody's name it's like the same thing as a small town when you go to a small town it's like everybody knows everybody but now you know especially if you're somebody that travels a lot and lives in different countries and you're constantly meeting people you can only store a certain amount of num- a certain amount of names in your brain and i think the number is something around 50 to 100 but obviously that's you know that's uh it could be more it could be less
1: but what is, what is the name for that like a, it's you know x number of people and then once a new person comes in someone's pushed out there's like a
0: yeah, it's a, just a, a name for that concept i i don't i don't know if there's a name for the concept but i mean there probably is obviously but i've tried explaining that to <laughs> i've tried explaining that to girls in the past it didn't work out <laughs> <to> <laughs> was like, you know I meet so many people. You can only store fifty to hundred people. You know, back in the day when we used to live in villages, it's like no, no, you should remember, <laughs> my, name. Work, you should remember my name. Should remember my name,
1: motherfucker. Also, I'm not one of the 237 people that you can
3: remember,
0: huh?
2: <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs>
3: Episode eight, Ryan Mulvihill.
2: Smallest thing I did with the biggest result was actually just posting up on my Facebook. Reaching out to people and saying, "Hey, all my Facebook friends, I wrote this book, and I would just uh, I just wanted to see if people were interested in reading it. I'm looking to collect pre-readers. The book is about uh, launching a business idea and getting your first customers uh, when uh, before you spend any money or any time on the business idea. And I was surprised, but a lot of people were really interested. And I ended up basically pulling a Uh, email list completely out of the air. I I managed to get 40 pre-readers just from pretty much one Facebook post. And then I decided to do it again, actually. And I posted it up in the foundation group. And I managed to get another 40 pre-readers. And these were people who were going to help me with getting reviews on my book and help me with promoting the book during the launch schedule. So
8: it was huge.
3: Episode 30, Neil
8: Woodfine. I think... um... Engaging, um, online with, um, uh, communities of people, um, creating content, um, has been our best method for kind of uh, bringing in, uh, uh, users. Um, we, we've recently been kind of, um, engaging on platforms like Quora, um, and Reddit, um, and that has really kind of, um, uh, uh, done very well for us um it's i think it it, it kind of positions us in a it it kind of allows us to show uh, that we're kind of um in a position of authority on on the subject um and um it's where it's where people go to find out answers to their questions these days um and i think um compared to kind of more direct business development um model it's it's uh, probably more efficient
3: episode 10 zam tool
9: oh here uh i would say mastering uh amazon traffic that is definitely the 20 percent that will give you probably yeah <laughs> that'll definitely give you more than 80 percent of your results i mean if that's i mean the math doesn't add up but you get what i'm trying to say episode 48
3: matthew brennan
10: um damn uh, nothing comes up to mind um I guess
0: is it is it content sounds to me like content content creation
10: yeah but I wouldn't call it a small thing because it was when we, we started out we did that campaign of one article a month and it was actually quite a big thing from the beginning and we were straight away like oh I, I guess you could say the podcast really uh <laughs> maybe, maybe that's where it, like because okay. I didn't uh, you know uh technode approached me to do it and I, it wasn't my idea I didn't think much of it at the beginning um, I was like, okay, yeah, I, I've kind of had an idea that this could be something I wanted to do for a for a while, but and then and then they said, you know, Matthew, do you want to do it? And we think you you know China Channel is the right partner for us, and we're like, okay, well, yeah, right. And it sort of didn't think it would be that that bigger thing, and I, I guess it's not that bigger thing right now, but it is growing, and it's grown into something that's uh, bigger than I expected. So and 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 it certainly doesn't feel like work. The whole thing feels like very enjoyable. It's like we're both there, like okay, who are we going to find this week? To, you know, we, we can do this, and like <laughs> yeah, we could get that company, and it's like yeah, that would be so cool. And then we actually get them and and uh, you know get them to talk about this crazy new thing that's happening, or, or or this thing that we're really interested in to do with the Chinese internet, and uh, uh, and so it's it's really like doing something that you you really enjoy. So that's fantastic
11: episode 28 ryan flynn marketing (laughs) that's and that's not my forte and i don't really have any business being a part of it but uh um doing doing more of this creative direction for this brand it's led me to reaching out i've had to reach out outside of the design world and i've had to find some good partners and make friends with some of the some of the good blogs that we're going to be working with here really soon and and just, and just the collaborations that we have on, on deck is, is the biggest thing. And I think when you go to a buyer and you say you're doing something with so-and-so and so-and-so, it, that's the way it's going right now. Everyone has a collab, everyone's working with somebody, and it's just all about validation. You know, you could have the best shoe, and if, you know, no one's going to see it, if it's not marketed, then no one cares. But if someone likes it and puts their name on it for, you know, puts a different spin on it, then it's, then it's amazing. You know, it's. Everyone's got uh, the same brain sometimes, which is good for us. It makes it easy. All
0: right, so yeah, I mean, um, the, so the power of internet and marketing your brand was the the, the this past section. Um, I just wanted to comment real quick, like, because what's what going through these episodes has forced me to do is is forced me to evaluate some of some of our earlier podcasts. And uh, I mean, Ryan Mulvihole is one of my best friends, but like. Probably wasn't relevant <laughs> for for the Made in channel podcast. Um, also, you know, but you know, at that time, it was like I was more than happy to get any sort of guest. Not that not that the podcast that he and the book that he wrote wasn't valuable. It just wasn't really directly related to the to the concept. Um, so it is what it is. But you know, it, my my thing is like all of these points. Were basically about marketing, and I think they're all extremely important. Uh, the most consistent theme, I think, was engagement with community and and driving traffic to your to your website or you know your product, service, whatever it is, through content creation. Um, both, I mean, Ryan, Mulvihill, Hill, Neil, uh, Woodvine, uh, and and Matthew Brennan all mentioned that, like. Ryan Flynn talked about it in a different, in a different way. Uh, he was actually the first listener that became a a guest. Like he was, he's not one of our friends. He was, he found the podcast because he'd been traveling to China for a very long time. He was in the sneaker industry and, uh, you know, reached out to me, we met in person and then we ended up recording a podcast. I think we met, I think we were, yeah, we recorded the podcast after we met, um, so that was pretty interesting to to actually meet a listener, you know, and he's he's an awesome guy, and I've I've kept in touch with him, touched base once in a while since. And one of the things I liked about what he mentioned was mutually mutually beneficial partnerships. And I think this is very important because what tends to happen is when you run a business for a while, you start to get distracted and you want to learn about new things new concepts for your business or you want to pursue different business interests so a good example with us would be like the fact that we run a, a, a you know a, a sourcing company but uh, or a manufacturing consulting company but you know there's the potential to sell on Amazon and things like that and people have always ask me do you want to sell on Amazon I'm like of course it's interesting to 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 want to sell on Amazon or another e-commerce platform but like that's an entirely new business model and rather than me shifting focus away from what we're currently doing. I'd rather have a mutually beneficial partnership or strategic partnership with somebody else who already knows how to do that side of the business. And then I can focus on, on what we do best. So I think yeah, uh, you know, marketing your brand and. and
1: Yeah. I'd say that's, that's definitely one thing that you've done really well is like stay the course for, for what you're working on, you know, as an entrepreneur, especially here in, 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 in Asia, there's so many opportunities coming at you from all different directions. And the more you become known and the more you know friends you have in this in this network, the more type of opportunities and investments come come your way. So being able to kind of filter those out and, and not just jump at the next big thing and stay the course with what you're doing is, is a great trait to have. And I think listening to all these guys, whether it's Neil or Zam or Ryan, Um, It was interesting relating back to SFA because these were early episodes, you know, these were all the first, you know, with the the exception of Matthew, these were all the first 30 episodes. It was interesting listening to some of the recommendations that they had and some of the the marketing schemes that they were doing. And we've kind of jumped on to all of those, um, you know, aspects, whether it's content creation, or you know, engaging in online communities; those are things that we've continued to build up since.
0: The yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's just uh, you know, obviously uh, going back to the uh, distraction part of things. I think obviously, I've also tried. I've, I've pursued certain things, but I've always tried to not be the the main person doing that. I've always tried to be like, okay, if I'm going to try importing to China, I want somebody else to be driving that. And then, you know, let me be the middleman or the person who connects this party to this party kind of stuff. So I just, yeah, I think it's important not to get distracted until you're at a certain stage, until you make enough money from your business and your business is so automated that you can just start something else or sell or, you know, um, step down from your your role as as the CEO of a company. Um, And yeah, I just think, you know, content creation is obviously one of the main ways that we get clients and we provide value and we learn from the people that we interview so it's super super important um creating a brand for your company and then you're you're in control of the narrative as well when you know you're you're uh if you make your brand front and center and you're creating content like you control the narrative like and you educate your your customers as well did you have any any other thoughts
1: not specifically on anything that, that the guy said, but just to piggyback on what you're saying, I think, yeah, that's, that's, that's been huge. And that's something that we've tried to take from, you know, whether it's the comedians podcast that we've listened to or creating your own content, creating your own message, building a following and nurturing that following is really the best way to develop long term
0: success for Whatever it is you're trying
5: to do.
3: Episode 40, Nick Nerov.
5: The smallest thing, honestly, it's, uh, I, I want to go back to a Tim Ferriss quote, which is we underestimate how much we can do in a week and we overestimate how much we can do in a day. And the smallest thing that made all the difference was taking half an hour to an hour action every single day progressively. Just literally making that habit, whether it's just researching, understanding the process, listening to the podcast, shooting off that email to the supplier. um, Because, it's it's really easy to get discouraged and I remember I faced a few of those points and if it wasn't for the like once again for the friend group, everybody having their own thing and everybody being fairly successful, me being at the bottom of the totem pole, not having my own online business, it felt really frustrating and intimidating.
0: No, 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 that's 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 Puya. What are you talking about? Yeah, well but but I was
5: there, right? Yeah. Like I, I think okay, at some okay. point at some point our friend even our friend Puya, who's not maybe necessarily very entrepreneurially minded. He was still having a really nice engineering job, whereas I was living in a fraternity without really any income. So, 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 you know, uh, I think that if, if you just make it as easy on yourself as that, just commit to, let's say between 6 PM or, and, 7 pm or six like just make a habit of one hour preferably in the morning because once you start delving into this the hardest part the hardest part of really anything whether it be writing exercising um, you know starting a business it's that initial start initial bump diet especially that diet's a big one too cooking it's just that initial like first five minutes of doing the damn activity once you get those five minutes done you shift gears and you're in it you're interested in what you're learning you know you're 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 absorbed by it so Uh, just give yourself like, hey, you know, these next five minutes I'm going to spend doing this. Preferably, I'm going to do it for the next hour. And one hour a day of research and action, just like, okay, so I've learned now how to do product research and then start doing the product research. Don't make excuses like, you know, oh, uh, I know it now.
3: Episode 16, Nathan Jansen. So for me, it's um, having a weekly
5: meeting with my
6: partner, uh, the CEO in Beijing. And we discuss what I'm gonna do this week, what he's gonna do this week, and I, uh, via the method of seven habits of highly successful people, and I hope uh, at some point I'll be part of that elite group. <laughs> <laughs> not not there yet, nowhere near. But uh, what I do is I separate my agenda per different function I have. So as a general manager, I need to do things in uh, my company. As a project manager, I need to do things in my company, and as a manager for uh, for marketing, there are also different tasks. And every week, I just check what I'm gonna do, plan it, and then the rest of the week is gonna be
3: more or less -less. Mm stressless. Episode seventy, Leoni Tan. Um, honestly, I think it's the is the
4: weekly meeting. We have like a weekly meeting, like that we do, like once a week. Yeah. And um, we have this guy who uh, we have Jose, so he. He is, like, the CEO slash the COO slash, like, the organizer. So, basically, he is, like, our mother. Like, he always makes sure that everybody does their job. So, I think the thing that we do that I I like is, like, every week, we will meet and we will say, okay, so what did we do last week? Each of us. And then what will we do next week? So, if there is something that is delayed or there is something that is lagging, you know, like, then you can talk to each other and say, hey, like, what's going on? Like, is there some some problem like can anyone help you you know and then like mm-hmm. what's next so that way you keep organized you stay organized right because if you don't have that i think then you
12: kind of get lost like have you done yeah, that yeah you, you, you got to be able
0: that? to track whether you're actually making progress um it's the right. same reason why we used to do or we do uh knocks like the mastermind stuff and then and then as within my business obviously we do masterminds but there's a book that you should read um and, and I get, the whole team should read called uh, "Mastering the Rockefeller Habits." Okay, and it basically talks about how you know Rockefeller was able to build a company where everybody was aligned in their visions, even oh, though really? even though the company was gigantic and there's so many employees, everybody was aligned on it. And and it talks about how you bi- you create the structures for
1: right,
0: meetings right. and so the daily, the weekly, the quarterly, the monthly, the yearly, like. Right. You had, it gives you all the the structures and how everything fits together, okay. so I kind of took that system and implemented it into into my business and it's, you know I was doing when I first started we were doing daily and weekly and then because I read that book, it gave me the the frame to to create the the quarterly meetings as well right, right. and then also just setting like goals that your your staff can set or your team can set the daily goals like Daily goals that lead into weekly that lead into monthly that lead monthly, into quarterly. Yeah.
12: actually that's um that's what Carl taught me yeah
0: and he which, told which, me which about I told the, him to read yeah. the mastering the rockefeller yeah. habits so it's one of those books where you you 're going to go back to it like every few months like right, it's, I go right. back to it constantly okay. yeah, to to refresh I write it and, down. yeah um, and it's good to get started early i mean right now i mean i don 't think when you 're first getting started it 's just the team the five you don't necessarily need to do all of those meetings because it's more Mm -hmm. just about execution and getting stuff done but then definitely once you go like six months out a year a month a year and you start to maybe hire some people right then then that's when you really need to to have those systems in place
3: episode 44 Nick Ramil
9: rate my days rate my days Uh, end of every day Uh, another thing I don't know if I've told you this either I think maybe we've talked about it I very simple, zero to 10, and, you know, zero's the worst, 10's the best, and then I'll write down, you know, quick one to two sentences about why that day was what it was, and you would be shocked to see why, I believe, like, you'd be shocked, I'm sure, if you did this for a few months to start tracking, you know, why this is, your, you know, what's the difference between a seven and an eight, you know? Um, you know why am I having sixes versus you know nines and it's like it's all data man and again this is a whole reflect refine improve thing is like I love looking at this and saying oh you know oh that's interesting you know because you know not to go into too much detail but any day that was you know a five or a six for me the day before I done something uh, that I you know that was stupid and it was like well you know okay Clearly, you shouldn't be doing this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, and that's, and and I think that's something that again, it's so easy. Put a remi- I have a reminder in my calendar every day at 6 p.m. Rate your day, and and that's it. And it's just you're tracking, and you'll you'll start to track these little tendencies. This is how you know my, I noticed, dude. Working with my investments, you know, no matter how long, how late, whatever the topic, working with them through problems and customer development, customer discovery, planning for their launch. Those days may be the longest, but they were the highest rate. And that's when I was like, man, this is really what I enjoy. You know, these are the most fulfilling days for me. And that's what brought it full circle back to enter China. You know what I mean? Like these little things that are so simple, but you learn so much about yourself are so important.
0: Next was mastering successful habits. Um, For me, I, I loved all the answers here, like... A lot of his stuff is stuff that I, I really agree with, and I can I I preach all the time. Um, I think one of the biggest things which I loved that Nathan and Leone pointed out was the the weekly meetings. It's like one of the it's a it's such a small thing that you could do to touch base with your team on a weekly basis, just to make sure that you're on the same page, um, and 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 set you know, targets for the week. And we, I do it in, in, well, I don't do the weekly masterminds anymore. Now we're doing monthly, but I do it with the weekly meetings with the team and with the various departments whether it's the marketing intern or the sales, sales intern and, and, and obviously project management team. Um, and then before I was doing it with the masterminds as well. Um, and then it's just, it's a good way to track progress. Um, Big, big fan of it. We've doing been doing that since the beginning of the of the company, and and I think I mentioned this book in one in one of these these clips as mastering the Rockefeller Habits. and it's, it's about how the daily, weekly, monthly meetings and goals combine into you know the quarterly and the yearly, um, and then you know Nick Nerov and Nick Ramil both talked about creating successful habits, tracking your days. Um, rating them you know things like that like these are it's just again daily daily tracking or weekly tracking to see if you're actually pushing towards what you're trying to accomplish
1: yeah so we've been working with um, a marketing intern we've been trying to set up weekly calls to track progress and you know there's been times where you and I have been traveling or they weren't able to make the call whatever, whatever the case may be but you see you know our progress during the weeks where we had the call versus the weeks where we didn't have the call and it's not even a comparison. You know, when you have that touch base and you've reviewed, you know, what we talked about last meeting, what our goals were for the next week, you know, you, you measure those, see what you've done. There's there's you know in the same milk as the mastermind groups, it's just another way to um you know to hold accountability. Uh, I sat down with Nick Zeber from, uh, enter China over the weekend in Hong Kong. And, you know, we were talking about, about that as far as their accelerator program is, you know, it's not that they have, you know, this golden information that nobody else has. Now they have a great program and they've organized it in a very, you know, organized and concise matter, but maybe the best benefit of being a part of something like that is just having that accountability you know, committing to something like that and then having that touch base every day with, you know, your boss or, you know, in this, in this sense, your consultant. And you know that you have to stick to, you know, these goals and
0: guidelines that you've laid out. Episode 14,
3: Manuel Uh
8: I think helping people um, selflessly without asking for anything in return uh, is actually where I get most of my uh, business or my money coming in. Um, for example, if you help like people on Facebook groups and you don't ask for anything, you don't plug your your blog or your books or your course or whatever, um, people are just generally curious. You know, who is this guy? Who is? Why is he helping so much? Mm-hmm. And then they check you out anyway, and then they come to you. Um, and I feel like helping people just satisfies me personally, but also it helps um, my business immensely, you know?
0: so Giving, giving value.
8: <laughs> yes, Always. giving value. You need to give a lot. These days, you really need to give a lot for free mm-hmm. to, to, to attract potential customers, you know? Otherwise, you're Absolutely. just someone plugging a blog or a course or trying to sell something.
3: Episode 76, Luigi Mangasha. I
12: guess being grateful. When I wrote my thesis uh, of law, because in one of the universities I had to write a thesis, in the other one I did not, because different styles, different... Uh. So, one of the quotes that I used is that uh, gratefulness is the greatest virtue of a man. Um, that reads that way, Uh more or less words so I believe so so perhaps being grateful to everything that I have or that I get even if it's just a smile in the morning Mm. which is very hard to get here (laughs) to be honest Um, and that I appreciate from Latin from Latins. we always say hello and give away a smile on the way in the subway in the elevator like you know so that be grateful for everything that I have and that has given me more friends which sooner or later translates to more network and um, to a better life I believe. I am a sociable person so I kind of need to have people around if you will. I mean not exactly that I don't know how to be with myself which I know but but I, I want, I like to share. Part of the mafia grouping again, just share what you have. The knowledge you have, it's meant, and even the money or, or the riches you, you, you accumulate in life, they are meant to give. If you keep them, there's there no good doing that. That's what my father taught me. Um, at some point you have to give. Give back. You don't even know who, but give back something, as much as you can, in the way you can, a small gesture, a picture, a video, a pat on the shoulder, something, I don't know, give back.
3: Episode 85, Harrison Bevins.
7: I think for me it would be focus, Um, just making sure that I'm not trying to do too many things at once, so... I think it's pretty common for people starting out to to try to do too many things at once and that can be distracting and you you waste your energy on stuff that's not giving you any return. Um, So for me it was like focusing on the, the two brands that I had already established. Like Instead of, I thought about launching a different brand or different products and instead I just doubled down on the brands that were already working, launched variations of those products And those have all been doing well. So I spent less energy and I'm getting more return on those two. And just my focus is making sure that those are completely optimized and running well. I've got a lot of reviews on all the products so that, you know, they're not just going to fall out underneath me. But that would be my advice. Focusing, doubling down on stuff that's already working.
0: Positive vibes, law of energy, karma, power of the mind... Um, you know, I think, I mean, I think quite. this is where I, I get a little bit woo and stuff like that, because <laughs> I really do believe that not, in, not in the sense of the secret or anything like that. I think that's kind of crazy, but I think you have to put out positive energy into the universe. And I think if you do that, generally you do get positive energy back. I don't know in what shape or form that might be. Sometimes that might be money. Sometimes that might be friendship. Sometimes that might be, um, you know, somebody just doing a nice thing for you or giving you a good piece of advice. But I, I, I do think in a practical sense, if you, for example, if you want to start a company um, and you know sort of what industry or you're just interested in entrepreneurship, if you're constantly talking about it and talking to other people about it, eventually you might meet somebody who also has a similar you know concept or idea and then you decide to start working with that person so it's that's what i mean by putting that out into the into the, into the universe it's not sitting around dreaming about it it's actually you know going places going to meetups talking to people you know trying to make connections and 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 then you, you get that energy back yeah most definitely uh, another point that ties into that i think um I think I saw it on a Gary V
1: clip. I might even have mentioned this on the podcast before, where some kid's saying that, you know, I'm, I'm a poet, I'm a rapper. And he's like, well, you know, let me hear some of your raps. He's like, no, nah, man, I can't, you know, it's not perfect yet. And like Gary V dug into him and, and like, you know, perfect is the enemy. You know, this idea that, that you can't put something out there and put this energy out there until it's perfect. That's just backwards thinking, you know, you have to start today you got to, you got to put that energy out there. You got to start making steps today to get towards where you want to go. And I totally agree with you. If you're putting
3: positive energy and putting energy towards what you're
1: working on, you know, it's crazy how things happen when you're doing that. You know, it's crazy how you, you, you know, you walk into this hotel lobby and, you forgot a pen so you got to walk over to this desk and you just happen in that circumstance to meet somebody who's working on the same type of industry as you you know it's just it's 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 common across all you know these people who are doing the entrepreneurship type activities that we're doing is that when you put that energy out there it does come back yeah i
0: mean i even i even think about when i was in when i was in manila and uh you know we're hanging out with harrison and it was just a regular sunday and he's like do you want to meet this guy who tried to buy my Shopify store or something like that or Amazon store in the past? And I was like, all right, sure. So we go meet him and then we're hanging out and he starts asking me what I do. And I'm talking about manufacturing, consulting, say, fuck, I think I've been buying Amazon businesses. It's kind of like my business. I need a guy in China to help me validate products and stuff. Then next thing is like, oh, do you want to go check out this gentleman's bar or whatever and call the refined? We go to the refined, I meet the boss. At their find, the boss asked me, you know, he's from Toronto, like, so we connect on that. And then he asked me about what I do. And then he introduces me to somebody else who's looking for, who's looking for, you know, sourcing consulting services in China. And, and then, you know, about a week later or two weeks later, after I went back to China, I got a client from from their find. I got two clients from their find. So it's just, it's just that thing of like, I went to Manila, also with a conscious decision that I didn't want it to just be a vacation, I wanted it to also be work, and I wanted to see if I could make connections and 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 business people and potentially clients and I put that energy out there and and it worked out you know um, so it's just like it's just in a practical sense of actually doing it um, and then in terms of karma, like again, if you're nice to people, generally people will be nice to you. And if you're like Manuel was talking about helping people selflessly, so not, not expecting anything back because that's the mistake that a lot of people make is like, they'll do things for people expecting uh, you a know, return. You can never, you can never really do that because there's going to be people that you help and then they don't do anything or the way they, they help you isn't what you expected. Like, and then you just end up being pissed off for yeah, it. And then if you're going to get
1: bent out of shape, if, 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 yeah, exactly. That's that's worthless. That does nothing for you. Yeah, I
0: mean, there's there's a lot of people that I'm friends with, um, and a lot of you know people that I have as WeChat contacts and stuff like that. And they'll ask me for certain things, and I just I do it. Or I send them a contact, or you know, I I give them five ten minutes of free advice, and like I'm really not expecting anything back. And I know some of these people, I've asked them to do certain things, and they didn't really. Go above and beyond for me, but it's like it is what it is. It's fine. It doesn't, and then they've come back and asked me for help in the future, and I didn't go like, oh, well, the last time, you know, he or she didn't, so I'm not gonna, you know, I just do it. Like I just do it. Like it's a, it's a. I'm not expecting any anything in return. Um, and then Harrison had a good point. Yeah, but I, I think it does eventually come around. It
1: does eventually come around, even if those people don't, you know, reciprocate in the same way that that you would hope. Because, you know, with the basketball business, that's that's a constant. I'm, I'm someone who has a lot of information. I know how to move in China. You know, if people have problems with their passports or you know, exchanging money. Like a lot of these guys contact me all the time for help. And, you know, unless I really don't have time and I have something else going on, I usually always try to be of assistance. And I kind of have, you know, the exact same mentality that, that you had said. And, and if you're going tit for tat, you know, I'm in the hundreds and they're in the, uh, you know, maybe one dozen in terms of uh, favors returned. But I do think when you need, you know, when you really need something and you're you're in a tough spot or, or there's something you really can't access and and you contact these people, they'd be more receptive to trying to help
0: you. Yeah, sure. Um, And then, you know, Harrison had a good point about focus. Uh, Harrison, as I mentioned jokingly he's actually the person who's been on the podcast the most like surprisingly well i guess not surprisingly because he was in he was in china with me for the past mm. two three years right. um but no it's just funny because I, I didn't even i didn't think about it until we were in manila and i was like man this guy's been on the podcast like six times like well <laughs> i was like and i it's
1: Has he been a guest for six months?
0: Yeah, yeah, he's been been on, he's been, I've interviewed him, direct because we have this ongoing thing was like less uh, lessons in China, whatever. So we did first year lessons in China. I mean, I
7: learned how important it is to be actually in China for what we're trying to do. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Second
7: year lessons in China. I was coming up on my first year in China and we had just moved back from Taiwan. Third year
0: lessons in China. I think part of it could have, could be
7: that their business is tied to China, and, and the fact that they need to have the physically.
0: We did a mastermind that I recorded like three years ago.
7: So I had five dollars per day, and no, I did one ad that was two days for five dollars, and then I ran. We a
0: did a review of he was interviewed on Reply All. Um, when they were asking about Amazon. So we did a review episode like so of that.
7: Low. I knew he wasn't making money. Uh, I think it was like it was like $8. And then at that point, I, I bought out. I and bought I think there might one be
0: one unit. episode that I can't think of right now. That he, and then I've, I've been, he's been on my YouTube channel and I've been on his YouTube channel. So I think I posted one of those as well. And then there's actually an episode that I have with him. There's like two two videos or something that I have with him that I haven't even released yet. So, so it's like, yeah, he's been on the podcast like six, seven times. More Harrison coming, whether you like it or not. Harrison Bevins in the house. Um, yeah, so I mean, the uh, focus is important. I think, uh, you know, he touched on that, and it's again the power of the mind. Like, if you're consciously, if you consciously understand that you get distracted, putting steps in, in line, um, putting uh, creating steps that allow you to focus on what you're doing is, is, is extremely important. Episode 31,
3: Heather Schuster. Oh, networking, networking. Yes. Mm -hmm. And showing up,
0: showing, showing up in person.
3: Yes. Just be there. Being there in person has made the biggest difference. Network like hell. Mm
10: -hmm.
3: Make as many friends as possible because you never know where help is going to come from because you're going to need it. I mean, I, I know I did. I, I would have never been able to pull this off alone. I've had so much good advice because I've surrounded myself with people who have done this before or they know people or you know something. Mm-hmm. So anytime I get stuck, then I know that I can call somebody and then I can get some pretty solid advice. Otherwise, it would take me months to figure this out alone. And as
13: you know, like, time is money. So, yeah.
3: Episode 91, Mark Ramos.
0: Networking, I guess, more. Like, because I don't do it enough. But I think that every time I meet somebody, uh, offers me the best opportunity, you know, in the long run.
3: Episode 86, Noel Naguiat.
13: The smallest thing I've done, largest, is showing up. Just showing up to the the refine every day. Just... it's from either 11 o'clock in the morning when we open or I'll come in a little bit later, but I'll stay till closing. But just sitting at the bar, working from here, mm-hmm. like working on other projects as well, not just on the refined stuff and meeting all the members and then they get to sit with me and, and we chat it up. And, and there's always this same reaction is like, oh, when I get introduced as the owner, like, oh my god, you, you're here.
0: You're actually here. You're yeah. actually here. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Why? That is a, that is a big that is a big deal because like I, I remember even the first day that I came, I was like, oh, actually, I met the owner on the first yeah. day, and it's like it, it makes you feel very welcomed. Yeah. And it also makes you feel like this guy really cares about his oh, business.
13: Yeah. yeah. I, I love this place. Yeah. I love it. And again, I if somebody asked me why did I open up, why did I open up the refine, and it came off pretty cocky and, oh well, that's that's how it came out. But I said I did it for me. Yeah. I basically built this exactly for me. Everything that you see here is based off what I like. Mm. I just know that I'm not the only person that likes that. Like, that's one thing. I, I'm humble enough to say, hey, I'm not the only one that likes fucking Chesterfield's couches. Yeah, I'm not the only one that likes, you know, Playing video games while I get a football. Like I'm not <laughs> like that, right? It's all like, oh, I'm unique. No, no, I'm like yep. everyone else. Yeah. So, I basically put this together. So if that's the case, this is my man cave. You know how guys in North America will, you know, get permission from their wife to build, use the garage, a very small part of the garage to turn into <laughs> a man cave or the basement, and they're like, please, hon. Can I make a man cave, please? I just want to put TV. Please don't ever
0: let me be in that position in the future. (laughs) I know. I,
13: I fucking did it here. I just created a man cave. Yeah. But this man cave now is for every freaking guy that comes through. Right? And we get that all the time, man. It's like, dude, I can't believe I can just come here and play video games. I'm like, yeah. And then one guy asked, he was here a second ago. He texts me and goes, hey, is it okay if I play video games? I'm like, why are you asking me that? That's your banking. You yeah. can go. You don't need permission <laughs> for that. Because, oh, I didn't want to raise your thing. I'm like, raise it. If you raise it, you raise it. Don't worry about it. Well, I'll start again. So that's like the smallest thing I did was just show up, man. And, and, and that's the thing. It's not even to other people. That's a big thing. To me, it's like, hello, this is my business. I have to be here. Um, all right.
0: Next, networking and being present um just showing up really. Uh, Heather, who's was the first person that was the first person to be their a return guest on the show. Um, just six episodes later, huh? Yeah, no, I mean I think those are those are hiatus though. Like I don't think we released <laughs> that many episodes. After about episode 30, oh, okay, our, our upload uh, frequency was not was not on point. So that's six episodes might be like six months, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, but anyways, like Heather, I was more than happy to have her on the podcast uh, more than once. And I think the first time was just, I really liked her story and we'd met and uh, I wanted to interview her. And then she was was into trying to remember, obviously. And then the second time was she'd had, she was, she had a crowdfunding campaign. Ironically, I think I'm wearing her slippers that, that she, she made, all slippers, I'm wearing them right now. Um, so yeah, she talked about networking and showing up and she was very consistent in her answer. She gave the same answer in both episodes. And uh, it was just her showing up to networking events and, and meeting people. And she had this idea of constant cons, um, trying to meet a new person every week, you know? At the beginning of her time when she was trying to get into entrepreneurship, and that was—I right. thought that was—I yeah, remember her speaking about that. Yeah, I thought that was a really cool idea because it reminded me of, you know, back in in Toronto, like two thousand and eleven, when I first started getting into self improvement. I started doing that. Really, I was trying to meet new people that were in the same mental space as me and were uh, uh, striving for the same things, and that's how I kind of met my my best friends uh, that I'm still friends with today. Um, and then, you know, it's pretty self-explanatory with Noel from the refined and networking, uh, that Mark talked about is just, you know, trying to reach out to people and networking and just showing up. A lot of times you just have to show up at these events and say hi and hand out a business card and have a five, 10 minute conversation with somebody and introduce yourself and you never know where those relationships are going to go. All right, so uh, you have to stick around. Even if you hear the outro music coming in, we've got a little special something at the very end of the podcast. Episode 69,
3: Mark O'Connell. I'm not sure if it's
2: the smallest thing, Rico, but if I was to say the one thing that I really think that we've managed to do well, as opposed to um, quite a few... Of our competitors, and when I say competitors, I mean people that we were good friends with um, and other businesses that were in our industry, and, you know, they might be doing the same thing, but we knew them quite well. Um, I think the smallest thing that we've done that's, that's brought the greatest result is diversification. Being able to to take our business and diversify it into different markets, which are not poles apart, it's you're not know, selling headphones versus selling cars, um, it's still in the same vein, but not just sticking with the one particular thing and going with it. That would be the smallest thing to get there to, to have
9: kept us alive I think, yeah.
3: Episode 18, Michael
14: Michelini. I think a lot of these Ma- I, I used to be a Mac heater. I think there are a lot of us that were just never going to be on Mac but I'm using Mac um, and I I buy these Mac apps like. and I used to be the guy that would never pay for software uh, but <laughs> now I just buy it because it's not worth me just trying to get around it for 10 bucks or something anyways so uh i buy all these productivity t- app add-ons or these uh these shortcut keys like my favorite launcher app i don't know if you, you know like uh, is alfred, alfred
0: and oh, uh,
14: i just I, done it before yeah, i love that damn thing and i I paid for it. It's like thirty pounds sterling or something, and uh, I set shortcut keys like crazy, and I sync it to my Dropbox so I can use it between different computers. It's crazy. I just do. I so save so much time by having saved clipboard things and and uh, and like control different controls on my keyboard to go to certain websites and to do certain searches. Uh, it's amazing. It saves me so much time. I, I I wish I could. I think it actually measures it in the back somehow. I have to check, but it's amazing. It, it's like 30 sterling or 20 sterling, and it's amazing.
15: Episode 95 Brian Paration. I could easily, it's, it might not be a favorable answer, but uh, definitely staying up um, to kind of match the, their time zone on critical moments to make sure that the uh, return on communication or the delay in communication has been minimized. So um, if there's a condition where me and you know that might be a tough choice or tough call, or it has to be a decision that we have to make as a company, like Project would have to make as a company, then um, it it is definitely helpful for me to be up there um, with you to kind of make that decision in that moment, so that we can feedback that answer to them to work on immediately, because that would save like two, one, two days. And as we've negotiated, like it costs thousand dollars to get that thousand to get that extra day or two of overtime so i think i think i would personally recommend doing that but if you're if you have employees that will have to execute that it might be harder to convince them to do that so if you are the one that's starting out the the project or it is your own project uh and you're okay kind of making sure you match that time zone um for those critical moments then i think uh that would be a the most impactful thing i i could recommend to do
3: episode 96, Iris TJ.
13: I think daring to make the choice to really go all in on neat business, now it seems obvious. But at the time that we made that decision, it was, not. Well, we weren't sure yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had to make that choice because we have limited resources. So we had to make a choice and it, it paid off.
0: And then
1: the last section is uh, evolving and adapting. And committing.
0: Yeah, that was a pretty, uh, you know, Mark Connell talks about diversification. was a pretty diverse type of answers in, in this section. Like I think Yeah, for sure. I think the biggest takeaway from from these answers was the adaptation to China and and committing to improving. Um so McLeany talked about figuring out ways to figure he's all about automation and I, I, I like that as well. And he was talking about figuring out ways to automate his business, um, pivoting he used to be like a Windows guy now he's a Mac guy and he's like you have to it's again adaptation and, and, and you know, trying to figure out the best way to automate your, your company. Um, I think Brian was, was all about Brian and Mark O'Connell even though Mark was talking about diversification. he's also talking about adapting to the changes in his industry and going from you know buying from wholesalers in Australia to just going direct to China um because he knew that he was buying at a certain scale that he could actually save money and and make more money from from buying direct in china and and one of my favorite things with brian uh, from prodigy which is why he was like such an awesome client to work with was that he knew that there were certain things where i i can't make a decision like there were certain things that only he could make a decision on or his team could make a decision on and in the early days especially with the original design it's so expensive there was so much money invested he would actually stay up on the days when we were doing a, let's say a, the final random inspection or inspection on you know during production he would actually stay up and wait to see what the results were in real time so he could give us real time feedback and that just you know saved probably 12 to 18 hours of 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 uh, The feedback, turnaround, Um, and uh, I think Neat, which is like one of our most recent episodes, I also noticed like if you see the the quality of the episodes getting much better. But um, our most recent episode with Iris from Neat, um, again, it's adaptation. They realized that they'd started off with a a. a service that was meant to be targeted towards consumers uh, and then realized that this was more of a SaaS thing. It was more of something that they could provide as a service to, to companies um, on a commercial commercial side of things. So they adapted and they pivoted and, and obviously it's been very successful for them.
1: So I feel like some of the other sections that we talked about might be a little more uh, self-explanatory. It may be not as time-consuming as... Time consuming as some of the things that that the people from this part were talking about so for example you know brian stays up all night and he's you know talking to to china during during his time it's not that, that that's so difficult more so that you know that might have been an unforeseen task prior to um, to starting the business but then once you get in you you see how how important that is to, to getting the project you know, done on the timeline that you set out to complete it by. So I can recall myself working with a, uh, a client six or seven years ago who was back in Beverly Hills. It was one of my larger clients and we had a really big operation and we were actually handling the packing and assembly of these products. So it was just a really, Busy, constantly moving project um, that required all of our attention and time. And, you know, we would be busy all day completing tasks for the project. But then come 9 a.m., 10 a.m., 11 a.m. L.A. time, you know, the client wanted to hear about what was going on and they had constant new orders coming in. So you know, I had to work all day and then touch base with them at one or two in the morning and report on everything that we did and you know that was just that was that was not the easiest thing to 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 do
0: yeah and of course, you know for specific businesses, I think these things will you know the 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 smallest thing that you do will be different right um so for Brian, because all the other stuff that we were doing was. Pretty, it was actually more complicated, like, uh, because you're designing new products and, and making sure the stuff is being shipped on time and all that stuff. For him, just staying up till three o'clock in the morning or four o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning, um, to communicate with us was, was one of the easiest things that he couldn't do. <laughs> Although he still would end up having to go to work the next day, but you know, um, it's little small things like that, but super important, you know, super important adapting to him just understanding that he had to adapt. To China to make it work all right um so yeah let's that's let's, let's wrap up the overall review, so like what i guess a hundred episodes what do you what do you think how
1: have we improved I think mainly it's just the quality of the episodes, you know, whether it's um the concentrated content that we've been getting or just the uh the sound quality, I know my sound quality isn't always uh, up to stuff, <laughs> but you know, we've gotten better equipment, and we usually um, take take things a little bit further in, in terms of ensuring that we sound decent while, while talking on the podcast, so I think that helps. Uh, I think we have a better storyboard, you know, especially with the YouTube stuff, but uh, the podcast as well. You know, we have a little bit better idea of what we want to accomplish prior to going in, where, you know, I can remember some of the early times we jumped on the podcast. It was just kind of us shooting the shit. And talking, and um, you know, now we seem to have a little bit better uh, an idea of how these episodes should flow. Um, you know, better and better guests. Not, nah, I don't want to say better, just you know, more and more uh, guests and more variety. You know, we mentioned Iris from a couple a couple um, episodes back in episode 96 from from Neat. You know, getting to interview professionals uh you know from from different companies like that is really cool and then um improvement has got got to be largely based also to to the team behind the episodes you know the the guys that we have who are working the audio quality and you know making sure that these are being posted and keywords are being addressed i think that all really creates um you know a better podcast for sure and i think hopefully our our next 100 will be even quicker and smoother than than these
0: yeah well i mean it took us uh basically three and a half years to do 100
1: yeah that's wild man that's wild to think that we've been doing these episodes for so long it really doesn't seem like it's been four and a half years when you think about it now
0: yeah, we started the podcast uh, end of 2015. I think the I think the first episode was like in October or something like that. I can actually check.
1: It's it. also one of the major reasons why we connected, if you remember. So, you know, it's one of the main factors that determined we were going to start working together. We had this mutual passion for content in the form of online radio, and we both had a desire to create our own podcast, so I think that's what eventually led to to this, right?
0: Mhm. For sure. Uh, I'm just pulling up the. F- I wanted to see when the first episode was, was released.
1: It's been a minute.
0: Yeah, so okay, I was right. October, October seventeenth, two thousand and fifteen, was only released. We, yeah, we released we released like four episodes at the same time. So that was dope. And then yeah, we were pretty consistent. Like for I would say the first four months, five months of the podcast. And then actually even a little bit longer than that, first six months of the podcast. And then, yeah, like I said, around April, around episode 29, episode 28, 29, that's when, that's when we started to drop off a little bit. There's like gaps of, you know, a couple of months at a time. And then, you know, in 2017... That's when I got. I hired my first editor. So that was a um, dude. Our dude from Upwork, dude, the Serbian guy, was fantastic. But we were doing at that stage. We we're still doing an episode every two weeks. We were not doing an episode. A week, and then Casey started in, in in May of 2018, and then from there we started releasing an episode a week. So there's been a huge ramp up. I think if we are consistent and we continue, then we should obviously be at 200 by this time next year. So you know we just have to continue doing that. We could you could potentially even have more because you know there's there's little small episodes that I could do in between that are little bonus episodes and stuff. We just have to ramp it up. And obviously with the YouTube channel
1: that's like the made in China episodes we do wait wait wait. what are those short episodes called again this is China this is China right 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 how could I forget TIC I like those man we need to do some more
0: this is China and then you know with the YouTube content as well sometimes we rip the audio from the YouTube channel and put it up as a podcast so like there's there's ways that we could we could bump up the episodes but uh, I mean for me I I think it's just you know it's awesome to get to 100 episodes I don't think there's that many people or podcasts or YouTube channels, whatever that actually, that actually get to that stage. So, you know, it's a, it's a good achievement. Um, you know, and I, you know, I, like the biggest thing for me is just like the quality of the episodes is getting better. The production value is getting better. The, the people that we're interviewing is getting better. And, and part of it is a reflection of, you know, the advice that we've taken on these, these, these podcasts and implementing it into a company and then the team that we have. As as Mike mentioned, Casey, who's our podcast editor, and and Lord, who's our video editor, and then you know Luke, potentially our our marketing intern, and and uh, Vincent, who's also helping with sales and marketing. Like having that team in place is the reason why we've been able to be consistent, and the reason why things are improving. Because then I can focus on being more creative um, while they do, and and obviously. Casey's a very creative person, so he also helps with the creative side of things. Um, but while they, while he does the actual editing, because it, it takes, it would take me three times the amount of time to edit, and I still wouldn't be able to to get it as good as he does it. So, yeah, man, just uh, two, two more episodes and, and better content. Um, you know, trying to wrap up the podcast here. So, episode one hundred, special special episode. <laughs>
3: Y'all to help me Bring back to the state. Stay home. Come on, say it Hold up, hold up Are y'all out
4: there? Are y'all out there? Come on, now Yeah
1: Now see, that's what I'm talking about They love your jiggas They love your jiggas I like the way this one feels It's so motherfucking soul, man
0: But wait, there's more There's more I teased this at the beginning of the the podcast uh mike what is the smallest thing you've done that's brought you the largest results
1: all right from my 80 20 i assessed it uh both from a personal and a business perspective Uh, from a personal standpoint i think the thing that helped me the most is um making a conscious effort to step out of my comfort zone um socially I can be shy or awkward at times. I often don't initiate conversation unless I'm very comfortable with the people around me. And I've noticed a lot of times I miss opportunities to assert myself in certain situations. So whether it be someone I hear over talking, uh, you know, I overhear someone talking about a topic that I have a lot of knowledge in, for example, sourcing or China or basketball. You know, I've noticed in the past that I'm not letting go of some of these long-held social anxieties and won't just go for it and start talking to them. So that's what I've been trying to, to, to curb. I've been trying to cut that behavior and really focus on just, you know, letting go and, and, and joining in on these conversations. So getting out of that mind frame and starting to make a point of speaking up regardless of what the outcome is going to be. You know, the most important thing is that I make the effort so recently, uh, when I hear someone talking about dealing with China on a, on a business perspective, or I hear Chinese people struggling to get something done in Thailand, I just immediately insert myself into the conversation, all in, a, in a polite way, of course. And it's led to a lot of new friends, a lot of new friends, interesting conversations, and even business leads. Uh, for example, I made friends with this lady at a restaurant in Chiang Mai. Uh, I heard her talking in Chinese, and I just kind of started... Making friends with her and her husband, and, and just see what's going on. And come to find out, she's a major player in the Chinese mainland Chinese tour business. And she was super interested in what I had to say about basketball. And she wanted to add a training arm to her, a basketball training, you know, arm to her her company. And we've been collaborating on that. You know, she gave me discount rates on her hotel. Yes, a Chinese-owned hotel in Thailand. They're making moves. Uh, And her and her family are awesome people. So that's just one example. Um, Get uncomfortable, man. It it can really pay off. And then from a business perspective, for me, it it is uh, same as a lot of our our guests said before. Is just showing up. You know, you, Rico, and our staff have done a great job setting up this system we work with. Uh, I've been trying my best to get into the Slack and WeChat groups every day and just contributing to the conversations, especially questions that you know our interns and employees have it just allows our staff to get some specific expertise from me about business and allows me to always be up to date on the projects um, even in the situation where I'm not managing them you know
0: nice Um, for me for me I okay I'm going to split it into two answers one is going to be life and then another one's going to be specifically SFA business wise so in life, I think the the smallest thing I've done has been to actively choose who I surround myself with, so it was a conscientious decision that I made when I was like nineteen when I was just looking at the people that I was hanging out with in college and i remember ah, i just i just always felt like I always just felt like I was more i was more ambitious than they were, and I traveled more than they had. I just felt like they were more closed-minded and it was funny because whenever i would whenever i would bring up something like hey i read this you know uh philosophy quotes or this book that was talking about entrepreneurship and then they would kind of like shoot me down <laughs> like oh that's ridiculous or you know what i mean it was just never like never embracing what a nerd yeah exactly it was kind of like that kind of stuff it's like never embracing the idea of doing something more than what we were doing um, so I don't know, I just felt like man like I, I really want to meet people that are ambitious and, and kind of think the same way that I do and I only had maybe one friend at the time who was like that and the other guys were just fun to hang out with in general but just I knew that they were just going to end up you know with normal jobs and not leave the country or anything like that so started getting involved into online communities, uh, self-improvement, reading a lot of self-improvement books. And then that's how I started to meet my friends. And then even within that, even within that community, I was conscious about, um, I was, I was conscious about who I actually chose to hang out with within that self-improvement community because there were also some people that I liked, but, and we, we read the same books, but we didn't necessarily mesh personality wise. Um, And then there's other people like Rohan, like, uh Nick Nerov, uh, Ryan, you know, Noam, uh, Tom, Puya, all these guys that we have in our, in our in our WhatsApp group who I just connected with and we started hanging. Uh, Dimitri, of course, uh, Dimitri and Max. Um, and, you know, some of these guys were like mentors to me and then at the same time became, you know, good friends and, you know, we were going out a lot together. So we used to have fun, but we also used to share knowledge and like... There's a direct path to be meeting those people to reading, like, for example, the Tim Ferris, uh, the Four Hour Work Week, which was a book that Rohan recommended that I read. Um, and there's a direct path from meeting those guys to me discovering enter China to me deciding to move to China and like that's and that kind of stuff. So there's a really direct line there. So I would say that in life that was that was a that's a really important thing to do. I think a lot of people are afraid to stop hanging out with their friends but a lot of people that you meet a lot a lot of people that you meet in college and high school you're just friends with them because of proximity like you're not friends with them because you would actually if you had a choice you'd be friends with them you're just friends with them because they're in your class or you're you're in the same dorm and and you you sometimes you have to be a little bit yeah i'd like to mention
1: something on that topic uh i actually had a really really cool conversation when i was in zambia with um with your friends which, by the way, man, I wanted to say that uh, I think it'd be very cool if we did a short podcast about our first African experience together. But uh, back to the point, it's my first time in Lusaka, my first time in Africa. And we had a real, I had a real intriguing conversation with a group of your friends about not getting caught up in the toxicity of other people. Uh, during the talk we were having, it was directly concerning a family member of, of one of your friends. So you mentioned just now cutting uh, friends and acquaintances out of the picture if they don't have the same goals and that, you know, that day-to-day mindset um, as you have. But it might also be necessary to do that with family as well. You know, that doesn't mean you have to shut them out of your life forever, but not letting those negative relationships just take a hold. You know, regardless of the connection you have with that person, friends, family, coworker, whatever it is, it's really important to keep things moving and, and, and just constantly be focusing on the things that you feel good about and and these goals that you want to achieve.
0: Yeah, and it's like, uh, it's funny because your parents talk about it when you're a kid, like you need to be conscious about, you know, who you hang out with and, and you know, be active in the selection of your friends. And when you're a kid, you're just like, ah, I know you guys don't know what you're talking about. These are my buddies. But, you know, it's true. Like uh, there's that, there's a quote that you are the average of the five people you spend the most amount of time with. And yeah. It's You're def- lucky
1: to have had that, <laughs> man. You know, some people aren't as lucky to have that mindset instilled in them from, from such a young age. Uh, but thankfully for those people, we're now in the age of the internet and you just aren't bound to the people that are within your physical proximity, you know?
0: Yeah. And I I didn't, I didn't listen to my parents until, until college, you know, until like I was around those people in college. And then I started thinking to myself, like, there is more to life than what we're doing right now. You know, there's more to life than this. And, and just, my, I guess, my general life experiences with with uh, traveling, you know, to different countries. I just kind of always thought, like, I want to do more stuff. I want to travel more. And I'll talk to people about going to certain places. And they would, like, think it's ridiculous to want to try to go to some you know, country or whatever. And I was like, this is just, or even just to try different foods would be like a thing, you know? Um, So yeah. And then, like you said, on a daily basis, in any given day, when I jump into my group chat with my friends, they might be talking about some crazy party that they had, or they might also be talking about, you know, the latest Ryan Holiday philosophy book, you know? Um, And, that's just that's that's just good because then I need to, or I can jump in there like even right now, one of my buddies, uh, shot shot out a message in the group and I was like, hey guys, I'm trying to hire somebody in the Philippines, for you know some VA work. Do you have any recommendations? And then here I go and I go like, dude, here's an SOP on how to hire somebody in the Philippines. This is what I did. This is and I wrote like a both Nick Nerva and myself wrote like, basically 200 word essays in the WhatsApp group giving him a step by step breakdown of what to do like that's important you know having people like that having that wealth of knowledge within the group all of us are entrepreneurs living in different countries like that's it's awesome so enough about that um business-wise the smallest thing we've done it's just tough man like it's tough because i go back and forth between one the the weekly meetings and then two the I kind of have a podcast different opinion on that, so i think from an operational ahead, standpoint first, it's the weekly meetings tracking setting i
1: kind of have a different opinion on that but go ahead finish your point first please
0: i think from an operational standpoint it's the weekly like setting goals weekly uh setting goals weekly and then reviewing and tracking those goals i think from just from a purely operational standpoint because i remember at the beginning of a company as well one of the things that like one of our first clients had worked with another sourcing company before us and he noted that a big difference was that with other sourcing company there wasn't really any milestones or any sort of real like they had a general like, hey, we're gonna get this done in three months, but on like on a weekly basis there wasn't actual action items that were produced and done, you know? Um, and, and I think even just for the team, especially when you're dealing in China with Chinese employees who like very clear instructions and very clear tasks, having specific targets for the week, specific things that they need to do, specific action items, makes their job significantly easier. Um, so that's, again, something that we've been doing from the beginning. And it's a very you can it can be very complicated. It can also be very simple. You can have literally just a Google document that has a table in it, and you have the names of employees. You have the week, and you can copy and paste that document and you would say okay this is what the, a list of the things that you're doing the next week was this accomplished yes or no was this accomplished yes or no if it's a no why wasn't it done if it's a yes fantastic you move on so it can be that simple or you can also have what we have which is the that document and we have uh, Zoho projects where we, we have tasks and we have like Gantt charts for different productions and shit like that Like, but that's stuff that's developed over time the next thing Uh, The next thing, like I said, was the podcast. Because I think with the podcast, of course, it's been a great way for us to connect with potential clients. And I've learned so much from interviewing people. I've made friends from interviewing people on the podcast. Um, I've had partnerships from, from the podcast. And it's also, it's weird because I think a lot of People I know listen, but don't tell me that they listen. So unless I, I meet them in person, and they're like, "Oh, you know, I listened to this episode, or I listened to this, a couple different episodes." And it's cool that you're doing this. And it's like, man, okay, why didn't you? <laughs> why not you reach out on a weekly basis? But um, yeah, it's a good way for you know our clients to keep in touch with us. It's a good way to meet new clients. It's a good way for my friends to keep in touch, uh, keep tabs on on what we're up to, um, and it forces me to reach out to other entrepreneurs in the same space, which ultimately creates new potential business partnerships. I also so,
1: wanted to mention the SOPs you make too. Uh, from a workload standpoint, it's not that major of a task, but it pays off big after it's complete. I know there's a lot of time and learning and whatnot that goes into being knowledgeable enough to make that SOP, but the actual creation of it is not a major task. Uh, you know, I think it cuts down our workload so much. It saves a ton of time when we have to communicate these things to our employees or, or other people, right?
0: If you compound it, um, yeah, I mean, at this stage, we probably have like 40 or 50 SOPs. But, you know, that it, it took a lot of time to create all of those, but like each individual SOP probably takes like an hour to two hours to make, and then you, you become better, like you become more efficient at making them as you go. Um, and then, of course, right,
1: right. Like I said, it, it took a while to get the know-how on how to create that document. I'm not saying it was easy by any means. I, I,
0: I yeah, I'm. I mean, I made I made smaller ones at the beginning, um, just because I knew like those certain things, like how to how to research a factory on Alibaba or whatever, like simple stuff like that, which I even made into like articles. But the SOP format that we use. I got from Michael Michelini three years ago um, and he got that originally from Tropical NBA. I think if you search Tropical NBA SOP podcast or something like that, um, you can go there and then they, they, they actually have a template that you can download. Um, it looks quite similar to ours, but it's not exactly the same. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's very important. I, I think I just don't see it as a small thing <laughs> cuz it's very tedious man like like if you're not the kind of person who likes to sit down and basically write essays like like me it's it's a very tedious tedious experience maybe for some, some other people it might be a small thing to do but like
1: well for me coming back into the fold and having those SOPs has greatly you know aided me getting acclimated to whatever project or task in in, in a quick manner
0: what I've started doing now, and shout out to shout out to Loom, I started doing video SOPs because I'm not really creating the operational SOPs as much. Imogen does that. I'm creating more the sales and marketing SOPs. So then I can just jump into, I'll just record me editing a, a, a page on the, the podcast or something like that. Like I'll edit something and I'll just record it and then I can send it out. Which which is significantly easier than than sitting down and writing out yeah, written SOPs. All right. Uh this is the last little bit that I was teasing. The Spotify stats. Mike tried to to, to bring it up prematurely. It just shut him down. All right, so wanna shout out the Spotify listenership. I know we we only got onto Spotify like three months ago. Um, but you know, it's grown steadily and what I love about Spotify is they give you the actual stats, whereas iTunes you know, it's always like a workaround that you have to figure out how to get the the stats but you know Spotify is growing. I listen to 90 percent of my podcasts on Spotify now. Um, there's just a, there's just a few select like Joe Rogan's podcasts in on Spotify. Um, there's a few select up podcasts that I listen to in different platforms but um yeah, I mean Canada is coming in strong with the most streams you know representing. Uh, we got the U.S. Uh, number two, which was to be expected. I expected the States to be number one because I think in every other demographic O-T- that we have. Go
1: Canada, representing all that T. love up in here with Nick Narav.
0: Exactly, exactly. They know, they know what's up. Uh, Mexico Mexico was, was a shock. It was third. <laughs> it's third. I was like, Mexico? I was like, all right, so we got, we got- hola, como estas? Yeah, you know I mean, like. <laughs> What's well, good, Mexico. La uca, Papi. Uh, United, uh, United Kingdom. Yeah, that's not that much of a surprise. That's fourth. Brazil. Brazil's a little bit of a surprise. Like,
1: I'm always intrigued by having listeners from non English speaking countries. That's cool. Mm.
0: Hong Kong, not surprising at, at six. Argentina. I just think I'm like you know I'm just I'm curious as to how people find us, but. Uh, New Zealand, uh, Germany, Turkey, Malaysia, Ireland, Philippines, (laughs) of course the Philippines, Australia, Belgium, uh, Netherlands, Austria, Spain, India, Thailand, Singapore, and Colombia. I'm sure there's more, but that's the that's what they show us on, 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 on the Spotify stats and I hope they continue to grow
1: yeah if you're listening from one of those countries Rico just mentioned yeah man you know, please let us know how you stumbled across the podcast
0: and if you're, if you're one of these countries and you're a listener and you're doing business with China you might even be potentially a guest you know so if you want to if you want to be interviewed on the podcast you should reach out and drop us some reviews fam drop us some reviews five stars five stars alright that's it that's a wrap Next is episode 100 of, of the YouTube channel, which is not that far away. I think we're like 15 videos or 20 videos away, which is like, what, four months? Yeah. yeah. Later. We
1: did it, guys. We made it to 100 episodes. Definitely looking forward to 100 more. Uh, all right, guys, keep up the hard work and enjoy your week. That's how you get me back After a
5: year, them 16's is 1.2 So that's 2.4 and I'm only doing 2 You want in the game, attention, new dudes I can get you BT and TRL too You want to be in the
1: public, send your budget Well fuck it, I ain't budging Young did it to death, you gotta love it Record companies told me I couldn't cut it now look at me, all star study, gone for a one hard like a am All cause the shit I uttered, was utterly ridiculous, how sick is this? You want the bank, send Kanye chains, send Justin dust, send
12: hypocrite, D you got spit. Feel something like this. Woo, woo. What the hell are you waiting for?